Thanks for checking out this week's podcast from Center Street Church. We pray it blesses, encourages, and inspires you. Well, thank you, team, for leading us today. Uh, you may not have recognized that last song because it's um, just uh, hot off the press. It was written and produced by our own Center Street songwriters right here, and I think that's worth celebrating. Amen? Amen. So, uh, a Merry Christmas to everyone here at our central campus, also those of you who are joining us online, um, those of you who have been singing, um, let it snow, let it snow, I hope you're really happy. Uh, you got your Christmas wish. Um, we expect the size of our online audience to be significant today because of the snow, but I want to commend all of you who are here for not wimping out but for being true Canadians. Yes, indeed. So have you ever thought about uh, how different your life would be if you never met certain people? Think about how different your life would be if you hadn't met some of your best friends or hadn't met your spouse or if your children hadn't come along. All of us have been influenced and impacted in some way, either positively or negatively, by others, particularly those closest to us. Over the years, parents have confided in me that their son or daughter was doing so well until a certain person came into their lives. On the other hand, we've all known people who were insecure and, and just not doing very well at life at all. But then they met someone who loved them, who listened to them, who was there for them through good and bad times of life. And today these people are not only living full and meaningful lives, but in some cases are leaders of leaders because of the impact this individual or group of individuals had on them. That's the kind of impact one person can have on another and we've all experienced it. But here's the thing. If this is the kind of influence a person can have on us, imagine the kind of impact that the God of the universe can have on us if we're open to him. In John chapter 10, verse 10, Jesus said, I have come that you may have life and have it to the full. 700 years before he came to earth, Isaiah prophesied his coming. He wrote, the Lord himself will give you a sign. The virgin will be with child and will give birth to a son and will be called Emmanuel. The name Emmanuel is a Hebrew name which literally means God with us. Jesus, God the Son, took on human flesh and moved into our neighborhood, as it were, to help us understand that God is not some distant, unknowable deity, but is present with us. A lovesick father who not only wants to live with him, wants us to live with him for all of eternity, but also wants to have a vibrant friendship with us in this life to do life with us and to give us all that we need to live this life to the full. But that won't happen unless we're open to him 
unless we put our trust in him. And we see this truth lived out in the Christmas story itself. In Luke chapter 1, God gave an invitation to a young woman to have his precious son Jesus in her life. God sent the angel Gabriel to give this special invitation to Mary. And this is what the scripture says. Do not be afraid, Mary. You have found favor with God. You will be with child and give birth to a son. And you are to give him the name Jesus. He will be great and will be called the son of the most high. How will this be, Mary asked the angel, since I am a virgin? The angel answered, the Holy Spirit will come upon you. The power of the Most High will overshadow you. For no word from God will ever fail. Now notice how Mary responds. She says, I am the Lord's servant. May your word to me be fulfilled. You see, we have to understand that Mary could have said no to this invitation. To be the mother of Jesus. But even though she didn't understand it all, in simple faith, she said yes to God's invitation to have Jesus in her life. Now, in Matthew's gospel, we're introduced to Mary's fiancé, Joseph, and how Mary's decision impacted him. And this is what we read in Matthew 1. This is how the birth of Jesus Christ came about. His mother, Mary, was pledged to be married to Joseph, but before they came together, she was found to be with child through the Holy Spirit. Because Joseph, her husband, was a righteous man, did not want to expose her to public disgrace, he had in mind to divorce her quietly. But after he had considered this, an angel of the Lord appeared to him in a dream and said, Joseph, the son of David, do not be afraid to take Mary home as your wife, because what is conceived in her is from the Holy Spirit. She will give birth to a son, and you are to give him the name Jesus, because he will save his people from their sins. When Joseph woke up, notice what he did. When Joseph woke up, he did what the angel of the Lord had commanded him and took Mary home as his wife. But he did not consummate their marriage until she gave birth to a son, and he gave him the name Jesus. Now here again, God reveals himself to Joseph in a surreal way and invites him to be part of God's story. Joseph could have said, no way, the cost is too high. And he could have carried through with his original plan, which was essentially to not embarrass Mary, but just quietly break the engagement and carry on with his life. But Joseph believed God. And he said yes to God's invitation, committing to not only take Mary as his wife, but in doing so, to accept her child into his life as well. Well, again, Mary and Joseph's decision to have Jesus in their lives came at a great cost. It was a life-changing decision. You see, we need to understand that before the angel appeared to them, Mary and Joseph had a very promising and exciting future ahead. They were both highly respected in their community. They were looking forward not only to their wedding, but their life together. This decision to have Jesus in their life would rock their world. I mean, if Mary agreed to this, it will mean she will not yet be married 
and yet be pregnant by the Holy Spirit. Who's going to believe her? Would you have believed her if you were her mother? Would you have believed her if you were her fiancé? I mean, this had the potential of destroying her life, particularly in that culture. The situation was little different for Joseph. After the angels spoke to him in a dream, Joseph believed Mary. But who else would believe that the baby within her was conceived by the Holy Spirit? He will never again be thought of as a righteous man. Joseph will be shunned by his friends. His business will likely suffer. His integrity will always be in question even though he knows that he is not the father. Reminds me of a cute little story about a Christmas pageant held in a church where a young fellow playing the part of Joseph walks up to the innkeeper, knocks on the door and says, I need a room. The little boy playing the part of the innkeeper says, I'm sorry, but I have no room in my inn. And Joseph says, but you must give me a room. And the innkeeper says a little bit more emphatically, I'm sorry, but I don't have any room. At this point, both boys kind of lost themselves in their roles and began to deviate from the script. <laughs> and Joseph says, you don't understand, mister, but I've got to have a room because my wife is pregnant. The innkeeper says, well, I'm sorry, but that's not my fault. And the boy playing the part of Joseph gets even more agitated and says, yeah, well, the truth is it's not my fault either. <laughs> well, that's the uncomfortable situation that Joseph and Mary find themselves in. It would be a costly decision. But despite all of that, both Mary and Joseph made the decision to say yes to God that day. They said, Lord, we're choosing to trust you, to believe you, and to invite your son Jesus into our lives. Now, here's the thing. Whether you realize it or not, God is pursuing you. In fact, he's been pursuing you all of your life. He wants to invite you to be his eternal friend. He's been trying to get your attention. Have you ever considered how God may be trying to get your attention? Thousands of people around the world, including some who are part of our church, who originally were from other faiths, have testified that God got their attention, not unlike God got the attention of Mary and Joseph. God got their attention through a dream or through a vision that was so real that they knew that they had met the real Jesus. Others will tell you that God got their attention through the beauty, the majesty, the vastness, and the mathematical precision of the universe. Some will tell you God got their attention the day that their child was born. As they reflected on the complexity of their child's DNA coding, the image of two, ten little fingers wrapped around theirs, suddenly they were awakened to God's reality and God's creative power. Still others give testimony that God caught their attention through the compelling life of a sincere follower of Jesus Christ, someone at work 
someone at school, someone in their neighborhood, who just lived this compelling, sincere, sacrificial life. Now to be clear, there is a cost that comes when you invite Jesus into your life. In the same way that Mary and Joseph's decision was life-changing, so your decision to invite Jesus into your life will have the potential of complicating your life or even changing your life significantly. In Luke chapter 14, Jesus said to those who were considering following him, he said to them, count the cost. Count the cost. When you invite Jesus into your life, you're going to have a new sensitivity to sin. For example, even though you could benefit financially, you won't cheat on your income tax or your expense account because you have a new commander-in-chief and his way is always the way of truth, integrity, and honesty. When you invite Jesus to be part of your life, you will have a new sensitivity to the needs of others. As you grow closer to Jesus, your heart will begin to break over the things that break his heart. And when you see injustice or you see people in need, you won't close the blinds of your heart the way so many in our society are today. You won't pretend that it's not your problem. But you'll do what you can to help, to serve, to be generous, to bring justice where justice is needed. You see, that's just a little snapshot of some of the costs and the complications that you will face when you put your trust in Jesus and follow him. But I can tell you from personal experience that yes, the cost can be high. But the rewards are even greater. Jesus did not come to give us a new religion. He did not come to give us a new set of rules to live by a five-fold path or eight-step code of ethics to follow. No, he came to give us the gift of himself. And so when you put your trust in Jesus, you invite him into your life and you submit to his lordship and to his leadership, he'll not only forgive you and set you free from all of the regrets of your past, but he will begin to transform your character. He'll give you wisdom, guidance, a clear purpose in life and empower you to carry it out. He'll give you a supernatural love for that person that right now you're having a hard time stomaching. That person may be your spouse. It, it may be a parent. It may be a sibling. It may be a boss. He'll give you a supernatural patience and gentleness for, for that person who's irritating you. He'll give you a passion to be kind and generous to others and he'll fill you with joy and delight and immense fulfillment every time you choose to invest in their lives in the name of Jesus. When someone neglects you, slanders you, treats you unfairly, ignores your viewpoint, 
He'll give you the grace that you're going to need to not grow bitter, but to forgive. Not only that, but Jesus will help you. He'll walk with you in times of trouble and hardship and distress. It's no big secret that this has been a very difficult year for, for many of us. Some of you experienced uh, the loss of a loved one this year. Your Christmas dinner table is going to have one chair that's empty. Some of you lost your job with no good prospects in sight. Some of you got a bad medical report. Some of you heard those gut-wrenching words, I'm leaving you, or I don't love you anymore. And you're feeling discouraged or cynical or perhaps even bitter. Well, Jesus invites us to cast our cares and our burdens on him because he cares for us. That's why he came. But you see, we have a decision to make. You can focus on your problems or you can lean in on the problem solver. You can worry, you can lose sleep, you can wrestle with your concerns or you can rest in the Lord to do what you can't do. All that to say, when you invite Jesus into your life, he will infect and influence every area of your life in a very good way and in turn make you a delightful and winsome winsome person others will be drawn to because they see the life of Jesus being lived out through you. I'm going to close with the story of a young man named Mo who is a living example of the difference that Jesus makes when we put our trust in him. Just watch this. I was born in Iran, raised a Muslim, raised to fear God. Thought that God was there to punish me. God was angry, distant, violent, hard. I was angry, distant, violent hard. I had no purpose in my life. I cared about no one. I lied, cheated, mocked. I didn't care about anyone but myself. But deep down, I wanted to be loved, to be cared for, to be forgiven, to forgive myself. I escaped from Iran to go to Turkey and I became refugee there. I had many questions. I didn't know the truth. I was told by missionaries in Turkey about God's grace, about God's forgiveness, about God longing to be in my life, about God's unconditional love for me, about how God died for me, to wash me clean, forgive all the bad things that I have done, just to love me. It was all that I had longed for, all that I had wanted. I gave God my heart. I repented all my sins. I accepted God's grace. God forgave me. He washed my sins away. He made me pure. I felt peace in my heart. Now I am a man that God wanted me to be. I have a purpose. I have a love in my heart for others. I want to share the grace that God gave me with others. God led me to Calgary. Now there is a purpose for everything in my life. 
Now he's leading me back to Turkey to work with refugees there. There I will tell them about God's love, about his grace, and how he can lead them to a life that's worth living. He leadeth me, he leadeth me by his own hand. He leadeth me, his faithful follower I would be, for by his hand he leadeth me. Isn't that a great story? You see, this is the kind of transformation Jesus came to bring. Mo said he was angry, he was violent, he was hard. Said he had no purpose in life, cared about no one but himself. But then he met Jesus. He embraced Christ's grace by faith. And now his life is filled with peace. Now his life is filled with a love for others he has this grace-filled heart. He has a, a, a purpose. And folks, what Jesus has done for Mo, what Jesus has done for people like me, what he's done for thousands who are part of our church, what he's done for multiple millions around the world, he wants to do for you. He wants to become your friend in this life and for eternity. And if you trust him, if you repent of your sins and submit to him, he will change your heart. He will slowly change your character, your attitude, your very life from the inside out. Now, I know some of you were brought here under great duress. You are here because a parent, a friend, a child dragged you here. There are heel marks all the way across the parking lot. <laughs> and you're probably sizing us up and wondering what kind of strange cult we are. Well, let me cut to the chase about who we are as a church. We're just ordinary people who somewhere along the way realized, as Mo did, that we have a heart problem that there's something inside of us that would rather rule than serve, that would rather win than lose, that would rather have than give, that would rather hate than forgive. We came to the place where we were humble and honest enough to face our dark side and say, Jesus, I can't lick this on my own. I can't fix what's wrong with my heart. I need you to change my heart. I need you to change me from the inside out before I destroy my marriage, before I alienate myself from my family, before I mess up my life even further. And as people like Mo have put their faith and trust in Jesus and submitted their life to his control, we have seen hateful people become more loving. We have seen greedy people become more generous. We've seen insensitive people become uh, gentle. Bitter people become more gracious and kind. And proud people 
become servants at heart. We've seen marriages healed. We've seen families and friendships restored. And see, this is why Jesus came. And the difference he can and will make in and through your life. But I remind you again, if you say no to Jesus and you push him away, if you just keep him at a safe, comfortable distance, none of this will be reality for you. You will remain far from God and God's best for you, not only in this life, but for all of eternity. Just look at what we read in 1 John chapter 5, verse 11. It says this, and this is the testimony. God has given us eternal life. And this life is in His Son. He who has the Son, in other words, put their faith in the Son, has life. Whoever does not have the Son of God does not have life. I write these things to you who believe in the name of the Son of God so that you may know, not hope or think, but that you may know you have eternal life. You see, this passage clearly states you don't have to wait until you die to know where you're going to spend your eternity. If you have placed your trust in Jesus and are his friend in this life, he will be your savior and friend forever. On the other hand, if you reject him, he's going to honor your wish. Jesus is a gentleman. He won't go where he's not wanted. If you don't want anything to do with him, he will respect your wishes and leave you on your own, not only in this life, but also in the next. Sooner or later, folks, we all have to make a decision about Jesus. And I want to give you an opportunity to do that right now. Would you just bow your heads, close your eyes for a moment. This is a very sacred moment because I believe you're not here by accident. Long before you were born, God knew that you'd be here today despite the snowstorm. So he could get your attention and so he could say to you, you matter to me. So he could say to you, I love you so much. I sent my own son Jesus to earth 2,000 years ago to ultimately die on a cross so that your sins could be paid for and to make it possible for us to be eternal friends. Jesus wants to say to you, I want to be your friend from this moment forward. I want to change you from the inside out. I want to lead you in the greatest faith-building adventure humanly possible for the rest of your life. And this is why Jesus came. This is why we celebrate Christmas. I'm going to close with a prayer that is not unlike the one I prayed many years ago that changed the entire trajectory of my life and my eternity. If you would like to become a friend and follower of Jesus, I'm going to invite you to pray this prayer along with me right now. 
I remind you, God knows your thoughts. So you don't need to pray it out loud unless you want to. The important thing is that you pray it and that you mean it. Join me in praying this right now. Heavenly Father, thank you for loving me and for pursuing me. I admit that I have a heart problem and that I can't fix it myself. I need a Savior. Lord, please forgive me for my pride, my selfishness, and my sin. Come into my life, Lord. Change my heart and make me into the person that you want me to be. I want to be your friend. I ask, Lord, that you would transform me from the inside out and that you would somehow use my life to bring hope where there is despair, to bring love where there is hate or apathy, to bring peace where there's turmoil. I love you, Jesus, and I trust you. And I intend to follow you wherever you lead. For I pray it in your precious name. Amen. Now, friends, if you prayed that prayer, I just want to help you to understand that something very significant happened in the spiritual realm. All of your sins and regrets, all the things in your life that you're not proud of have been placed on Jesus because he died to make that possible. And Jesus' perfect righteousness has been placed on you, making you holy and acceptable to God. You're a new creation in the spiritual realm. You are his child by faith. You need to celebrate that. And I want to encourage you to tell someone. Tell the person you came with. Tell the person that dragged you here. Tell me or one of the prayer partners that will be up here after the service. On behalf of everyone here at Center Street, we wish you a Merry Christmas and God's very best to all of you this coming year. Thanks for listening. We hope this message has impacted you. We'd like to challenge you to take it one step further and get connected. For any questions or prayer, please visit our website at cschurch.ca. You can also like us on Facebook or follow us on Twitter.